everyone and welcome to Appetite for Distraction, a podcast dissecting music and tech. I'm Yash. I write a newsletter called Appetite for Distraction. And I'm Martin. I write a newsletter called MusicX. And in today's episode, episode number two, we'll be talking about another overused buzzword, something you've probably heard at every conference in the last few months, and that is community. More specifically, all the various fan theories that have been floating around, whether that's the 1000 true fans theory, the 100 super fans theory, or the 10 cult fans theory. We'll be talking about whether we actually believe in any of this stuff, what happens when fans become investors, and which artists this might actually work for. Martin also has a super interesting framework around minimum viable community, which we'll also get into. Right, so let's get into it. Martin, so you initially suggested we talk about this. So I'm curious, why do you think community is such an important topic to discuss? Well, first of all, I think everybody needs a community, right? You can't do it on your own. And the changing kind of nature of artist teams necessitates that you have a strong community around you where you can do any number of things where you can use them as a sounding board or see if there's any experience in there or knowledge in there that you could utilize. So there's that element. But secondly, and maybe more importantly, is that if you want to create a financially viable project from your music, you need a community, you need fans, and you need those fans to do more than just be fans of you. You need some of them to sit much closer to you as an artist and and help you out in any way, shape or form that you can imagine. The way I'm thinking about this is, you know, earlier we had this very unidirectional relationship between artists and fans. So there was this artist and this person made music and the fans were consumers of this artistic product. Whereas now fans and artists are almost creating or co-creating on the same level. And they're building things together. And, and you see this in, in other projects across Web3 as well. But even if we keep Web3 aside for a moment, especially in music, it's always been that way where early communities of fans have been really crucial for an artist's success. If you talk about fandom, everybody's always talking about the Grateful Dead, right? And the yeah. Deadheads. That is sort of the the quintessential community who who created their own everything, you know, created their own merch, who traveled with the band towards totally. all the gigs, you know, and everything. So I think that that is probably still what everybody is sort of aiming for. It's just that we have different tools to organize and create. Yeah, absolutely. How do you think Web3 kind of comes in and amplifies that inherent power that communities have always had? When you look at Web3 and community, it, it, you suddenly see this, the tool set that it is, right? That it's just a collection of tools that you can use to organize your community, to give access to a community, to, to govern the community, or to let the community self-govern to a certain extent, you know? All of that stuff could already be done. It just becomes easier if you use Web3 tooling, right? And looking at the kind of financial side of it, it's interesting to know that when somebody buys your NFT, right, they kind of invested in or they, they were okay to say, I'm going to spend this amount of money on you. And that could be 0.1 ETH, which I don't know, is maybe, what is it nowadays? $80 or something? Something like that, yeah. Or maybe 112 or whatever it is. Because that signals something, right? That's that signaling that we also talked about in episode one. If you say, hey, I'm happy to pay six times the amount that I would pay for a vinyl record to just get in your community, then that's saying something, right? And that's a signal that you as an artist can pick up on and say, hey, I'm going to draw this person in a bit closer and ask them how he's doing or how she's doing. So 
for me, I think there are two main reasons. The first idea is Web3 kind of bridges the gap between social capital and financial capital. And what I mean by that is for emerging artists to eventually make it big, early vocal supportive fan communities are absolutely crucial. This idea of, you know, I knew them before they became big is a very commonly used flex in music. But the reality till now has been that that those early vocal fan communities never really saw any upside when slash if their favorite artists became big. Apart from some social capital among music circles, they aren't exposed to any of the upside that the rights holders are exposed to. But what's interesting with crypto is that there's an opportunity for those vocal fan communities to now be exposed to some of the financial upside and participate in the success of their favorite artists, which I think is really exciting. And the second reason which is equally important, if not more important, is that artists now have ownership over their data and ownership over their audience relationships. So today, artists on, say, Spotify or any of the DSPs, I know we pick on Spotify a lot, but... but That's just but, because they're the biggest. It's yeah, fine. Yeah. But, but you know, like any artist on Spotify or any of the other DSPs, they don't know who their fans actually are. So apart from some vague data around where their fans are based. They don't really know who these who these people are. And as such, they, they can't build a relationship with them. They can't build trust with them, right? Exactly. Because you don't know them. Exactly. So compare this to something like a mailing list, right? I write a newsletter and you do too. I know who my subscribers are and I have direct access to them. So tomorrow, if I were to move off of Substack and start writing through another platform, I can take that mailing list with me. But for an artist who wants to leave Spotify, they kind of lose their audience on Spotify. Even someone as big as Taylor Swift was almost compelled to come back after that brief absence in 2014. And this just kind of shows how much power and how much ownership the streaming services have over artists' audiences. And this is problematic because artists can't provide direct value or build direct relationships with these fans. So th- this is the whole 100 superfan theory, right? Mm-hmm. From 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 Lee Jin. Yeah. She said, you know, a thousand fans pay you 10 bucks a month. A hundred fans pay you a hundred bucks a month. Then you, you need to seriously start thinking about where you're adding value to their life. Yeah, precisely. Step number one for that to happen is you need to know who these hundred people are. And this is where Web3 comes in, just to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about. I think Web3 really helps artists own those relationships. And this is extremely crucial. So again, two reasons. One is bridging the gap between social capital and music with financial capital. And the second reason is greater ownership over artist data and the value that kind of results via that ownership. And then if you can add to that a goal, right, of something specific that you want to build Mm -hmm. or an experiment you want to run or whatever it is, right, it doesn't have to be super specific. I would actually say that the less specific it is, the more useful a minimum viable community is. I take all of this from Rosie Sherry. She has this website called rosie.land, which if you're a community builder, you should definitely check out. It's like a treasure trove. But she talks about how minimum viable community means that something is not too overwhelming, right? So it's a small group of people. You kind of know who's in there. And then you can together find this path towards the community that you actually need to build, right? It's about creating all of these dots, she says, that you will later need to connect to your community. And you're being helped by 
a couple of people and i would say that that number is not too big right it's like the squad thinking it's like a maximum of about five people maybe seven who sit on this minimum viable core team that will allow you to open up for a kind of emergence which is also a favorite word of course in web3 but do it in a structured way right because you can kind of always have a sense of who's doing what and you know we're doing this experiment how should i do this what shouldn't i be doing am i running into a brick wall please tell me you know that sort of that sort of conversation Think of an artist who has a community and, you know, they sold some NFTs and now they have a couple of people, maybe 10, who are also in this token gated environment. At that point, it's up to you to kind of set the parameters of what you're going to do. You know, is this just patronage, but different, right? Mm -hmm. People who are eager to spend a bit more money on you. Is this your 10 cult fans? Or do they get to help you out? Do they get to influence stuff? Will you be collectively creating together like you already hinted at, right? There there could be other creative people in there. Do you want to make a video together? Do you want to make music together? But you set those parameters yourself. Of course, you could change what you want to do. And at that point, you could also change whoever is in your minimum viable community to help realize what it is that you are going to create or do together. And that is also the power of these Web3 tools because they allow you to kind of do that very easily, you know? You don't have to jump off a platform and go on another platform and refine your audience or tell your audience to come with you. They're already with you. Essentially, there's no lock-in, right? The way social media platforms work right now is that they own your audience because that compels you to keep creating for that platform. So moving off of YouTube and going to TikTok and creating a presence on TikTok, it's a huge lift, right? I mean, there's friction involved and you lose your audience on that platform. And this is by design, not because these platforms are malign. It's just how the model works, you know? At the end of the day, even someone like a Taylor Swift, you know, she can write the most fiery op-ed and publish it via the Wall Street Journal, but fans will only care to a certain extent and of course some very devout fans left spotify with her but people... her last release just came out on spotify again the whole power struggle there is non-existent right 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 exactly and i think where web3 comes into this whole thing is just giving artists greater ownership over their audiences and the resultant direct value that they can provide to their audiences okay cool so in keeping with the theme of this podcast why don't we talk about some of the common critiques that are thrown at this new way of building? So the first one is this idea that music fandom, which is the sacred thing, will intermingle with financial speculation. And this is not good for art or the music industry. Yeah. F- should fans be investors or should you just be fans? Yeah. I mean, I I, I think both both exist right i think you have fans who would love to invest who would love to be able to flex that what you were talking about in the beginning right say you don't just tell everybody that you were there when they were playing with five other people Um, but you can actually take benefit out of that when they play one of the major venues around the world and they're standing in glastonbury in front of a hundred thousand people or something that's cool but when that shifts into like oh so we need to be investing and we need to think about that from that perspective then you lose the emotion right And that's not good either because music is, if it's anything, it's emotion. Plus, you know, are we comfortable with only having communities that you need to buy into, you know, Mm -hmm. or do we also want communities that are basically free to enter or that you can enter on some form of merit? Those questions are there and we, we need to talk about that for sure. 
Totally. So I kind of wrote about this thing a few months ago, and I've subsequently changed my opinion. But let me kind of walk you through what my earlier opinion was and how it changed. So I was basically very against this idea of music fandom and financial speculation intermingling. The way I'd kind of put it is the artists that I'm a fan of versus the artists I would actually invest in as a financial speculator are very different. So as a fan, I'd probably invest in artists I listen to every day, right? But as an investor, I would invest in the so-called blue chip artists, right? The safe artists or the major artists, essentially. You would, you would act you like you're hypnosis. Exactly. And this is problematic, right? Having fans and financial speculators coexisting is really complicated, especially in reputation-based networks like music. If reputation can be bought, that kind of dilutes the whole idea of a fan in the first place. So a whale can come in and buy Taylor Swift tokens, but that doesn't really mean that that whale is a Swifty. doesn't mean that this, this whale, this person who has, has a lot of crypto mostly, or a lot of a specific NFT, will also start knitting their favorite Taylor Swift album as a scarf and that out to other Swifties. We should probably brace ourselves for the angry Taylor Swift fans commenting on this podcast. I, know. Um, I, I have something wonderful to say about Swifties. There's this new app called Fave, and Taylor Swift is utilizing it to organize her fans and to let the fans talk to each other. And one of the wonderful things that, that has come out of that is that a lot of these people have become friends. And that's brilliant because in all my thinking about community i forgot about friendship <laughs> so i needed swifties to show me that having a shared fandom means that you probably are friends already yeah that's great and thank you martin for saving us from from a potential <laughs> attack so like i said my whole thinking was this is not a good idea and if fandom can be bought it's basically going to lead us down a downward spiral but then I read this really brilliant piece by Scott Commoners and Jad Esber about two token systems for reputation-based networks. They kind of spoke about how communities can be structured that way, where you have two tokens. The first token is earned. So this is based on valuable contributions you make in the community. So say you're an active member of an artist's Discord, you're attending all of their gigs, you're buying their merch, and you're listening to their music you can earn this one token, right? Let's call it points. So you earn these points based on how great of a fan you are. Of course, artists can structure this the way they want based on how they want their communities to interact. And based on the number of points you have, rather the points that you've earned, you get a dividend. Let's call it token number two, aka coins. And these coins are liquid. Coins can be traded for fiat currency. So you can obviously sell coins to gain cash. You can exchange coins with other fans and so on. Points cannot be transferred. This signifies status and this signifies how great of a fan you are. The coins, on the other hand, are this transferable liquid asset, which is really useful because that makes more people buy into that asset class. We can kind of have this two token approach and make sure that fandom is genuine and status is earned in fan communities. But you can also have the liquidity element, which is an equally powerful factor of Web3. I think that's a super interesting approach and essentially addresses my critique of financial speculation and fandom intermingling. I mean, it's a, it's a clever play on the whole crypto financializes everything. And that's mm -hmm. not always a good thing. So here's basically like a checks and balances system to make that work out. I was, I was curious when I was listening to you speak to kind of think about examples, right? 
one of the first examples that came to mind was uh, was Rack RAC because he launched a token, a social token, wasn't mm-hmm. meant to be liquid. And he retrospectively dropped that to a lot of the people that have been supporting him in one way or another by buying NFT from him or by being active in his community, et cetera, et cetera. And then actually people from his community decided to start selling that token. So suddenly you could buy uh, RAC on uh, Uniswap. At that point, it came from the community, which is also a signifier, right? And another example that came to mind was friends with benefits. Mm-hmm where as the value of their token went up it became more and more expensive to get into that community but if you did not like it anymore because of the new people that were coming in because they could afford this big investment then to your earlier point right about you know being invested in something that was cool and then you know taking the upside from that you could just say okay well i don't really like friends with benefits anymore i'm just going to sell my tokens and then you would just make good on the popularity of what you helped create and then a final thing that came to my mind was there's this great artist called black dave he makes great music is also one of the the leading experimenters in web3 and music and he's been really playing around with this he has a, a liquid token but he also has a social token he has a bunch of nfts in different shapes and forms but i think the social token he has is the most interesting because it stems from the idea that not everything should be financialized right and especially in community there should be things that just earn you goodwill within the community and with a social token you can put something against that which can then give you greater power and governance over the community and this can be super simple he gives out his token when people ask other people how they're actually doing in his discord so it could be genuine and simple like that yeah totally and and also this idea of communities in social contexts being interoperable is really interesting having a stream token which is the token that water and music issues is a status signal within water music, of course, because that shows just how much you've contributed and the value of your contributions and so on. But it can also act as a status signal within the Seed Club DAO. Your reputation can kind of move with you, just like your physical reputation does. Having your reputation on chain and then taking it with you across communities and social contexts can be really powerful. It doesn't matter what you say, you can clearly see what someone has done on chain. Your entire history and activity on Web3 can be seen transparently by anyone. You can see who's real and who's not, which has always been a big problem in reputation-based networks, in music fandom, right? It's hard to parse out who's the real deal versus who's just faking it. Mm -hmm. And having your reputation on chain means that you can't fake it. It's harder to fake, let's just say. I think that's really valuable as well. All right. So I think to kind of conclude here, this is basically the time to experiment with a lot of this stuff. It's time to experiment with tokenized communities. It is the time to experiment with all the Web3 tools that are out there. But mainly, it's time to experiment with what kind of community do you want? What kind of community do you need? What is it that you're passionate about and that you're willing to bring into the community? And that's your music, but that is maybe also something else. And then how many people do you want to bring into this community to make it work for yourself? If you consider this a mindset, then you are going to look for goals, but they can shift and change all the time, right? That is the whole key of experimenting. If you start setting up a community, please don't overpromise and underdeliver, but bring everybody in and be open. Start with something you're passionate about. Start finding some people around you. Start collecting them. Start connecting the dots between them and then build something together as you experiment. Yeah, absolutely. This was fun as usual and hope we see you guys on the next one. Yeah, see you on the flip side.